We ran for the House of Horrors, bare feet slap slap slapping all the way. It was halfway across the amusement park. I was panting and sweating and holding my sides from the pain by the time we got there. Now what? Marco asked. Now we find the others, Jake said. But they could be in Morph. We don't even know what we're looking for, I pointed out. Exactly. And then we have to figure out if the Yurks are using the House of Horrors to kidnap and infest guys from Zone 91. Even though we don't know if the Yurks will be plain old human controllers, or hork or whatever, I said. Exactly. And in the meantime, I concluded, we have to avoid getting arrested by an Air Force captain who is frantically trying to protect the most secret place on Earth, where they are hiding an old Andalite toilet. Marco laughed sardonically. Does anyone else ever think maybe we all just lost our minds? You know, like, maybe none of this is real, and we're escaped lunatics from the local hospital for the hopelessly wacko? Hey, we're saving the world here, Marco, I said. That's what all the lunatics say. Come along, my wacko friends. Jake led the way toward the House of Horrors entrance. This ride involved cars on tracks, as opposed to logboats in water. I was relieved that at least there wasn't any water. The three of us piled into one of the cars. A fourth person was seated with us. He was a man, maybe 30 years old. He smiled at me. You sure this isn't too scary for you kids? No, sir. We're pretty good at handling scary stuff, I said. I don't see the others, Jake muttered under his breath as the car lurched away down the track. A mechanical skeleton shrieked. Beware, beware all ye who enter here. A loud, booming, recorded voice cried. Beware the horrors that lie within. Then, Arg! A mechanical pirate holding his own severed head jerkily waved a sword at us. A huge snake turned and aimed its cobra-like head at us, staring with glittering green eyes. Yeah, yeah, big deal, Marco said. Could this get any faker? Why are you kids so cynical? The crew cut man asked. We watch too much TV, Marco answered. The car spun and banged backward through a doorway into the next room of the House of Horrors. In a flash of lightning, I saw the car behind us. In it were also four people. Captain Torelli and three uniformed guard and security guys. What is with that guy? I asked. Hey, Captain. Having fun? Crewcut yelled back to Torelli. Airman Jones! Torelli yelled. Don't let those kids get away! These kids? Airman Jones asked, pointing at us. Yeah, those kids! At least the girl and the boy with the smirk! Our car jerked violently back around, and we were being shrieked at by a flight of ghosts passing overhead. That Captain Torelli! What a joker that guy is! I said weakly to Airman Jones. Captain Torelli has never joked in his life, Jones growled. You kids are going to have to stay with me till the captain can talk to you. We passed beneath the flying ghosts. 
and that's when the ride got weird. Really weird. See, somehow, whoever had built the ride seemed to have created perfect, life-size replicas of six hork warriors. And standing behind them, also frozen in place, was a creature with the body of a deer, the tail of a scorpion, and a mouthless face. They were all very lifelike, probably because they were alive. Visitor 3 was in the House of Horrors. Okay, now I'm scared, Marco said. Where are Rachel and Tobias and Axe? Jake asked in a low voice. There, I said. I pointed to a frozen, life-size replica of one of the scariest things on Earth, an 800-pound grizzly bear. The grizzly was on its hind legs, reared up. It was standing perfectly still, except for the fact that you could see it breathing. Sitting atop the grizzly bear was a bird. It was too dark to make out the tail feathers, but I could guess what color they were. And completing this odd tableau, a rattlesnake was coiled around the grizzly bear's upstretched paw. Rachel and the others must have seen the Yurks moving into place. They'd gotten there first, and were now waiting for the Yurks to make their move. The loudspeaker blared. <laughs> Beware the graveyard ghouls! In between the hork the Visser, and my friends, the bear, the hawk, and the snake, were really fake-looking tombstones topped with greenish skulls. This is the best part of the ride, Joan said. Those big blade monsters are really cool. I rolled my eyes. My stomach rolled all on its own. This is so totally going to turn ugly, Marco said. Chapter 25 Have you ever known something was going to happen right before it did happen? It almost seems like you're psychic. But usually it's just that your brain has put things together and figured something out. Well, in the split second before everything cut loose, I realized something. Out in the drylands, the Visser had talked about a list of humans who would be useful, and who would be more useful to the Yurks than the head of security for Zone 91. No time to be subtle. They'll go for Torelli, I yelled. Our car was turned forward and we were past the tableau of hork and Anamorphs, but I heard a loud scream, and I knew it wasn't one of those giddy, happy, funhouse screams. Jake leapt from the car. I leapt after him and collided with Marco. The three of us barely missed being cut in two as the car we'd been in slammed through a narrow door. I fell to my knees. We were on the tableau. We were suddenly a part of the House of Horrors ride. And that ride had gone totally gruesome. Six big hork bounded toward Captain Torelli's car. It had been his scream we'd heard. One of the uniformed guards raised his gun. Too slow. A hundred times too slow to beat a hork Slash! The hork swept its wrist blade. The man bellowed in pain. The hork yanked the guards up out of their seats and literally threw them back into the scenery. Captain Torelli was alone in the car, but then two hork grabbed him, careful not to injure him, and lifted him up like he was a doll. And all the while, the stupid loudspeaker was yammering, <laughs> Beware the graveyard ghouls! But Captain Torelli was not alone. <laughs> Rachel roared in her big grizzly bear voice. She flung the rattlesnake straight at the nearest hork The snake, axe and morph, wrapped itself tightly around the alien's neck and sank poisonous fangs deep. 
Tobias launched himself, talons outstretched, and ripped at the vulnerable eyes of a second Hork-Bajir. But that still left four of the big, bladed monsters, not to mention the Visser himself. And not even Rachel could handle them all. Although she tried, I swear she grinned a big bear grin as she swung one frying pan-sized paw into the head of a Hork-Bajir. Boom. The Hork-Bajir rocked back and fell unconscious. Flump. He hit the floor. The Andalite bandits! Pisser 3 cried in thought speak. That's what the Yurks think we are. Andalite bandits. They know, whoever we are, we can morph. And they know only Andalites have morphing technology. We can't stay and fight, the Visser pouted. Much as I would enjoy destroying these vermin, we have priorities. Bring the human. We have to morph, Jake hissed to me and Marco. Into the shadows, before the Visser gets away. I had already started. This was a fight. I needed something powerful. Something extremely dangerous. They're taking the captain, Marco yelled. We can't stop them. We need more firepower, Jake yelled. Morph! My morph was already underway. Thick gray fur was sprouting from every inch of my body. My mouth was becoming a muzzle. A muzzle filled with long, sharp teeth. I could use some help here, Rachel called as she knocked another hork into a wall. The hork axe head filled with rattlesnake venom was staggering. But Visser 3 and two of the hork had disappeared from view with Captain Torelli. Cool! A voice squealed. Now this part of the ride is excellent! To my amazement, people were still passing by on the ride. Every few seconds, another carload rattled past, filled with people who must have thought they were watching the most realistic House of Horrors ride in all of history. Look, it's a werewolf! Someone said. He pointed. Right at me. Fortunately, we were all three in deep shadows. No one would ever be able to recognize us. I was just finishing my morph. I had gone, as quickly as I could, from human to wolf. Rachel was roaring and bellowing. Tobias was shrieking and flapping his wings. Axe was looking for another victim. But the fact was, Visser 3 had Captain Torelli, and the Visser was gone. I looked at Jake. He was just completing his tiger morph. I looked at Marco, who was almost all the way into his gorilla morph. I felt my wolf senses turn on. It was a powerful moment. There is nothing on earth like a wolf's sense of smell, and nothing much like a wolf's sense of hearing. I could tell exactly, precisely, where Captain Torelli had gone. I could smell every dragging footstep he had taken. Then, suddenly, the remaining hork warriors bolted. They raced after Visser Three and Captain Torelli. After them! Jake yelled. Fwap, fwap, fwap! Crunch! Bright lights! Blazing neon! It took a few seconds for me to figure out what had happened. Then I saw. Visser 3 had used his andalite tail to slice through the back wall of the House of Horrors. His hork had knocked the wall down. Visser 3, his hork and poor Captain Torelli were loose on the grounds of the gardens. Chapter 26 One evil andalite controller and six hork several of which were staggering from the wounds Rachel, Tobias, and Axe had inflicted, barreled into the neon lights, dragging a helpless Captain Torelli. They were pursued by a red-tailed hawk, a tiger, a wolf, a grizzly bear, 
and a gorilla with a rattlesnake around his neck. Help! Help! Captain Torelli cried. Back to the ship! Visser 3 yelled. After them! Jake yelled. This is insane! Marco cried. Insane! And the band played 76 trombones, with lots of loud tuba and louder pounding bass drums. Yes, I said the band. Because, you see, the nightly gardens parade of characters was swinging up the main street. There was a brass band. In fact, there were three. There were dance teams. There were clowns. There were floats. And best of all, there were cartoon characters. Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Tweety Bird, Sylvester, the Tasmanian Devil, and Pepe Le Pew. They were all there in bigger-than-life costumes, dancing amidst a blaze of colored lights that blotted out the stars. I ran full out. I was faster than Rachel. I had more endurance than Jake. The Yorks were moving swiftly, straight toward the parade. Suddenly, out jumped a Daffy Duck, right in Visser 3's path. The Yurk Visser snapped his deadly tail. It flew through the air and Daffy's head went rolling across the ground. No! I cried. The girl wearing the costume stuck her head up and said, Hey, what's the matter with you? Ah! The Visser moaned. What kind of creature is that? He slowed a bit, just for a few seconds, as he contemplated the weirdness of her creature with a smaller head inside a larger head. And during that hesitation, we caught up. Jake let loose a roar that seemed to knock the cotton candy right out of children's hands. <laughs> we all charged. I leapt for the throat of the nearest hork with my yellow teeth bared in a snarl. The hork swung an elbow blade at me, but I twisted with unnatural speed. The blade only sliced fur. The hork couldn't use its blades. I was in too close. All it could do was claw at me, and that wasn't enough. A vicious battle raged. Rachel and two hork Jake sinking his tiger fangs into another hork Marco using Axe's snake morph like a bullwhip, snapping him into bite, yanking him back out. And Tobias was using all his speed and agility to tear at the visitor's vulnerable Andalite stock eyes. Yay! A voice yelled. Cool! Another voice cried. And then people started applauding wildly. Without even noticing, we had been swept up into the parade. We had become part of the show. And the people loved it. I dropped away from my hork -Bajir. He was out of the fight. I ran for the hork who was still yanking Captain Torelli along. He was way out in front, weaving through the parade. Weaving past Bugs Bunny and Yosemite Sam. Barreling rudely through the brass band, which was now playing You're a Grand Old Flag. Here boy! Here boy! Some kid yelled as I shot past, like I was a dog. The crowd grew thick just ahead of me, too thick for me to see Captain Torelli, but I could still smell him. I could smell the minuscule traces of scent left by his shoes. I could smell about 10,000 things right then, everything from candy apples to the grease on the bearings of the ferris wheel to the gel on a punk guy's hair. It was almost too much. But I focused hard on just one smell, a few floating molecules that said Torelli to my wolf nose. I put my nose down and shouldered through the crowd. People petted me. People bumped into me. I didn't care. My wolf nose was working, and there was no way I was going to lose the captain.
The crowd thinned out. I looked left, right. I saw nothing. But the scent trail led left, and my wolf ears picked out one voice among all the thousands of voices. One sound among all the sounds of the gardens. You're connected with those darned kids, aren't you? Captain Torelli demanded angrily of the Horkvizier. I went after him at a full run. There! A Horkvizier dragging the captain. The alien brushed aside a child who had rushed over with his mom to have her take his picture with the monster. I timed my approach, and I fired my wolf haunches. I flew through the air, aiming right for the back of the Horkvizier's neck. Rumph! The alien cried. Captain Torelli broke free and ran like his life depended on it, which it pretty much did. I relaxed my jaws and dropped to the ground. The Horkvizier and I stared balefully at each other for a few seconds. We sized each other up like a couple of boxers in the ring. But then we both saw and heard the Visser go rushing past and a clatter of andalite hooves. The Horkvizier ran to join his commander, and suddenly the York invasion of the gardens was over. A few moments later, the others caught up to me. We watched a pair of bugfighters rise from the amusement park and streak into the sky. They had hidden the bugfighters in plain sight. They'd been parked atop the alien adventure ride. As the bugfighters powered away into the night, I noticed a kid shaking his head disgustedly. Those aren't what alien spaceships look like, he said. That's for sure, his grandfather agreed. I was taken aboard a spaceship once. The aliens performed medical experiments on me, and their ship was nothing like that. Chapter 27 The official story in the newspaper and on the local TV news was that a group of pranksters had dressed up as monsters and vandalized the House of Horrors. They had also carried out a mock abduction of an Air Force captain named Torelli. The captain was only slightly injured. Captain Torelli was quoted in the newspaper as saying, It's those kids! I am looking for three kids named Fox Mulder, Dana Scully, and Cindy Crawford. The reporter wondered if perhaps Captain Torelli had been drinking. And when Captain Torelli was asked what an Air Force officer was doing at a company outing for Gondor Industries, he said, No comment. Forget I said anything at all. I was obviously mistaken. Nothing happened. We met up at the barn the next day. Jake, Rachel, Tobias, Axe, Marco, and me. The Animorphs. The six kids who are trying to save the world. Just one question, Rachel asked. Don't you think, in all fairness, in all decency, in all kindness, we should tell Captain Torelli he's guarding an alien toilet? I shook my head. No, Rachel, that wouldn't be kind at all. He and the others have a meaning to their lives now. Why should we destroy all that and make them feel trivial and foolish? Ooh, wisdom, Marco mocked gently. Deep. So the most secret place on Earth remains secret, Jake said thoughtfully. Maybe that is wise. The Yurks will continue to try and penetrate the secret of Zone 91, Tobias pointed out. Yeah, but the captain will really be on guard now, Jake said. Besides, maybe it's all for the good. It will keep them busy, keep the Yurks from doing anything more dangerous, Rachel said with a laugh. Everyone needs a project, right? Everyone needs some hopeless cause to pursue. A quest. A mission. 
as she said the last part, she was eyeing the hem of my jeans. Then she started shaking her head. When did you buy those, Cassie? When you were four? She asked. These jeans are fine. Yeah, if you're expecting a flood. Wait a minute. I held up my hand. Isn't this how this whole thing started? Leave Cassie alone. Jake said laughing. We're not going to start this all over. No way. Except maybe for the horse racing thing, Marco said. See, all I'm saying is, we morph racehorses, right? And then we bet. And that's when I dumped a bucket of water on Marco's head, and we all went home. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel, and I would like to apologize for uploading this one late. Uh, I had everything kind of edited and ready to assemble on Wednesday night, and I was like, oh, I'll do this on Thursday. Uh, forgot about it till as I was laying down to go to bed, so I was like, okay, I'll do it Friday morning. Woke up and forgot about it again. So, uh, it's coming out now. Sorry about that. Uh, but, you know, it happens. <laughs> uh, also, we're done with this book, which is super cool and exciting. Uh, I'll try to get that super cut out this week, and hopefully that one won't be late. Um, I don't really have anything else here, so if you use, you know, Apple... Uh, podcast and want to leave me a rating review i'd appreciate that if you want to check out my website theapocalypse.com that's like apocalypse but with a d in the middle uh that'd be cool too uh if you want to reach me you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com and i will see you all next week stay safe y'all my name is daniel and i believe one day the andalites will come until then we fight (laughs) 